Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Our theme, which is coming to an end for this month, is pray more, worry less. Today I want to talk about seeking God. I want to talk about how that when we pray, we're actually seeking God. Would you agree with that? I want to expand on that a little bit. When we seek God, not only do we pray, we can seek God through worship. Isn't that good? Can I have an amen? We can seek God through worship. We can seek God through reading his word. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 in the New Living Translation says, Don't worry about anything. So what are we supposed to worry about? Nothing. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I think that's a key to worrying less. Would you agree? That when we thank God, we worry less because we have an attitude of gratitude. See, when we worry, we're worrying about what we don't have. But when we thank, thank God, we thank him for everything that we have. We're, we're thanking him because we're grateful for all that he has done. Do you know, if God did not do one more thing for me, I'm still going to thank him for everything that he has done. I'm on my way to heaven. How cool is that? But not only am I on my way to heaven... I have the Spirit of God in me to help me with every situation, every problem, everything that arises. I have the Spirit of God in me to help me through. How good is that? Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and and minds as you will live in Christ Jesus. Pray more, worry less. Do you know when we pray, we're making a choice to seek after God. And hopefully when we make that choice to pray, to seek after God, that we're actually making the choice to, to seek after him, but not only seek after him and tell him what we need, but we actually take the time in seeking after him to hear from him. You know, John Hunt, our state president, a couple of weeks ago was up here at a regional event and he said, what, he said this, God want, what God wants most is our attention. What God wants most is our attention. Do we seek after God to the point of not actually doing or thinking about anything else? so that he has our complete attention. Sitting here this morning, what are you thinking about? Perhaps you're like me, you're thinking about, oh, I wonder what the morning tea will be like. Maybe you're thinking about the mistake that you made yesterday. Maybe you're thinking about tomorrow. 
What are you thinking about this morning? Maybe you're thinking about the last worship song that you sang. You know me. You know I'm a man of grace. You know my all-time favorite Bible verse, the Bible verse that when I seeked after God because I had no answers, when I was lost, when I was broken, and I had nothing, and I actually went looking for God, and I found him, and this was the Bible verse that he gave me. And you're all fairly familiar with it. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. See, that's what happens when you seek after God. He gives you the answer that you need. See, the answer I need... At that time when I seeked, I sought after God. Is that right? Seeked after God, sought after God. Sought, thank you, Helen, grammar teacher. When I sought after God, he gave me that answer. See, for so long, my understanding of God was different to the understanding that I have today. See, I thought God was a God of anger, a God of wrath, a God all too ready to punish me for my sin. And I did not know that God had a plan for my life. And, the, and that plan was not to harm me. And it's the same for you. God's plan for you this morning is not to harm you. What a good plan that is. A plan not to harm you. Verse 12 then goes on to say, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. To seek after God with all our heart means that we will consciously make the effort to seek after him and to focus on him alone. We will need to make a conscious decision to seek after God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do we diligently, do you diligently, earnestly seek after God? Hebrews eleven six in the Amplified Version says this, But without faith it's impossible to walk with God and please Him. For, for whoever comes near to God must necessarily must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. I don't know about you, but I'm into rewards. Anybody with me? I'm into rewards. I like rewards. In this fast-paced world that we live in, there are so many things that call for our attention. Do you know, and if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not earnestly and diligently seeking after God, I find that my time with Him begins to slip. And when this happens, worry, doubt, fear, stress, all have their way of finding them, themselves back, of finding their way back into my life. Yet, according to Hebrews eleven six, if we 
earnestly and diligently seek after him, we will be rewarded. My experience is this, when I earnestly and diligently seek after God, not just through prayer, but also through worship and reading his word, I find a reward. What's the reward, I hear you say? It's the reward of finding the answer, God's answer to every prayer, every problem, and every challenge that I will ever face. And there's more. And there's more. When I earnestly and diligently seek after God, worry, fear, anxiety lose their power. And the power to trust God grows even more. Now, you know that I'm a grace preacher. You know that we are saved by faith and not by works. If I could have the next slide up, please. Another one of my, I have many favorite Bible verses. Is there anybody else out there that has some good favorite Bible verses that they just really like and they live, try and live their life by? I love this, this passage of scripture in Romans three twenty two to 24. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. How are we made right with God? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for some who believe. Is that right? Did I read that right? No. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who they are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. Let me just give you a really short version of what happened. When God created us. Who's heard of Adam and Eve? I love Adam and Eve. I would have loved to have been Adam and Eve. I mean, it was so good they were able to walk around naked. How cool was that? Helen's shaking her head. They had it perfect. They wanted for nothing. They had enough food. The temperature was so perfect that they didn't need clothes. They didn't need shelter. They had it all. They just lived this perfect life. Every day, God would speak to them and they would speak to God. That's how it's meant to be. God's supplying all our needs. We're just walking around, letting it all hang out, being really cool. Helen's shaking her head again. But then, of course, the old enemy started whispering lies into their heads, saying things like, did God really mean what he said? And, of course, we know the story. We know it's the woman's fault. 
Isn't that right, Marianella? Can I get an amen? No. Isn't that right, Trev? Can I get an amen? Yeah. They ate from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. And guess what? Sin entered the world. And the relationship, the perfect relationship that we had with God was broken. No longer was there that relationship with God. But God had a plan. He had a great plan. And the plan was so good and it didn't involve religion. How cool is that? And his plan was to send his son to die for every single person, for the criminal in jail who stole, for the person who thinks they're living a righteous life, who's hypocritical and thinks that everybody else is going to hell, but they're not. God still has a plan for them as well. Doesn't matter where you, what you've done, where you've been, God has a plan and he wants that relationship restored. And this plan was so, so amazing because all it simply is based upon is belief, is faith, is the recognition that we are born into sin. When I am born, I am born into sin. I cannot help myself. I sin. We all sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I'm already 13 minutes in and I haven't even got past my second page. We all sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. No amount of praying, no amount of going to church, no amount of counting rosemary breeds, no amount of of religious acts can save you. No amounts of doing good. No amounts of... What are you laughing at, honey? What have I done now? What did I say? Rosemary beads? What are they? Rosary beads. Well, I thought they were rosemary beads. I like rosemary beads better than rosary beads. What are rosary beads anyway? Rosemary beads. Thank God. Thank God that God's a God of grace and mercy. Thank God he uses broken vessels to glorify his name. I've forgotten where I am now. Anyway, no acts of religion can ever save you. Going to church, praying, giving money to the poor, loving your neighbor. Am I saying you shouldn't do any of those things? Absolutely not. But they're not what gets you to heaven. Isn't that good? That's good, Emma. I think it's really good. I think it's, I think it's an amen. Can we have an amen, Mark? Amen. Like it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did. See, the relationship was broken. God wanted to restore the relationship. The consequence of sin is death. Blood has to be shed. So Jesus' blood was shed on the cross so that you and I can know that we have our relationship with God restored. And the way we have our relationship restored is to believe that we are sinners, that I am a sinner, that I sin when I breathe. 
I'm selfish, I'm self-centered, I want things my way, I try and control situations. I want to change people without changing myself. Anybody else there? We sin, we fall short, oh yes, the gays, the homosexuals, they're all in trouble but I'm not. Guess what you are? And so am I. We lie, we cheat. Who hasn't taken a pen from work? Emma. <laughs> Come on. Who hasn't put their finger up that car that drove past and then slowed down? Who hasn't got angry at their wife? Who's found it hard to forgive? Come on. We all sin, we all fall short. That's the beginning. We need to recognize that we're sinners. And no amount of good works will ever get us to heaven. Nothing we do other than to believe can get us to heaven. We admit that we're sinners. We repent. We change our mind. We turn away. We recognize that we fall short. We go to God and say, I'm sorry. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And guess what? Bang. You're a Christian. And then you go to church. Then you pray. Then you give money to the poor. Then you serve in church. Then you become a healthy member of a local church. Then you help your pastor. You help your neighbor. Then you start loving your enemy. You start loving those that love you. You start loving your enemy. See? See? You get in the picture. We're saved by faith, by placing our faith in Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. We got that? Isn't that good news? That's good news. We're on our way to heaven. But we still have a responsibility to earnestly and diligently seek after God so that we can receive the rewards that he has waiting for us. If you've lived this life as long as I have, you will know that every day presents an opportunity for us to worry. To worry about our health, to worry about our kids, to worry about our job, to worry about our finances, to worry about the government, to worry about tomorrow, to worry about yesterday, to worry about worrying about worrying about worry. You know, there's every reason for us to worry about all the wicked things and all the injustices that are going on around the world. Yet the Bible clearly tells me that we're not to worry. Don't believe me? I read this Bible verse out a couple of weeks ago. Psalm 37, New Living Translation. Don't worry. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry. Don't 
Don't worry about the wicked or the envy or those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Really? Do I have to do good, Trevor? I love my wife. Is that doing good? Even when she's not loved? No, she's always lovable. (laughs) Don't worry about the wicked or the envy. Or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Who wants to prosper this morning? Can I have a show of hands? Who would like to prosper this morning? All those that haven't got your hands up, you're not going to prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. And Jesus, on top, no, no, that was the Old Testament. It was, it was, let's look what the New Testament, well, let's do even better than that. Let's see what Jesus says about worry. You ready for this? Matthew 6.25, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Jesus tells us to seek after his kingdom first, to live righteously, and he then will give us everything we need. What does Jesus say when he says that that life is much more than food and clothes. What's he talking about? Well, before I said about prospering, see, Jesus wants us to prosper from within. So what does that mean? See, to prosper from within, in every single one of us, there is a desire to be accepted. Yes? In every single one of us, there's a desire to belong. Yes? And in every single one of us, we want purpose. Do you agree with that statement? Belong, acceptance, and purpose. It's the way we're designed. The problem is that we go to things, we go to money, we go to career, we go to everything other than God for acceptance, for purpose, and for belonging. But none of these things, none of these worldly things can give us what Jesus wants to give us. See, our identity is in not in what we do, it's in who we are. If we're looking for our purpose in our job, what happens when we get the sack? If we look for our, uh, our worth in somebody else, what happens when that relationship breaks down? Or worse still, that person dies. If we're looking for a sense of belonging... With, in other people, and then somebody says something to us that is hurtful, what happens? 
We feel rejected. We feel offended. We feel hurt. See, we cannot look to these things to give us what Jesus is wanting to give us. Our, our, our identity, our worth, our value, our acceptance is found in Jesus and in him alone. And then out of that, we will find that we start to have good relationships. You know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be and do our very best. There's nothing wrong with money, so long as money's not your God. And so long as the money that God has given you, you're a good steward of it and you're being generous with it. But if it's about you and hoarding and selfish and self-centeredness, that's not what the Bible teaches. You think about the Old Testament and all the heroes. They were wealthy, weren't they? Weren't they? Can I have a yes? So there's nothing wrong with money, but it's what we do with it and what we're looking for it to do. See, Jesus is talking about that inner need that we all have of acceptance, belonging, and purpose. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, put Jesus first in our life and he will look after the rest. If we, will, if, if we will fill our thoughts with his desires, if we will take on his character, and if we will serve and obey him, he will take care of everything else. See, the problem is, church, we don't take Jesus at his word. Ouch. Ouch. I can see your face screwed up there, Emma. I agree with you. We don't take him. We don't take him. We don't take Jesus at his word. See, he says, "Don't store up Matthew six nineteen to thirty four. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them, rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your heaven. Your, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them, and thieves do not break in and steal. You know, we're in a battle. We're in a battle for our hearts. See, in our hearts, it's what we believe." And what we believe will make us happy. The enemy wants you and I to believe, like he's got the rest of the world to believe, that we need more earthly treasures to make us happy. He wants us to believe, like the rest of the world, that we need more. We need more than what we've already got. He wants us to believe that we need more money, that we need more possessions, that we need more objects, that we need that next promotion. Jesus wants you and I to understand that earthly treasures will never help us when it comes to worry. Earthly treasures for a short time may give you what you, what you think you need, but they don't last. They rust. They fall apart. My car's got five more stone chips on it since I bought it. It's becoming out of date. It's losing its value. It's losing its appeal. Well, it hasn't lost its appeal yet. I still get out and polish it and keep it clean. But like they don't last. 
You know, if you're looking for something in another person, they will let you down. They're not perfect, Helen. I know I let Helen down. I, I'm pretty close to perfect, but I'm not perfect. Just ask Helen. There are times where I'll let her down, where I will not measure up. Oh, where am I? See, we, 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 earthly treasures won't give us what we need. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. What God are you serving today? What are you devoted to? What do you think about most? What do you focus on? What takes priority in your life? What do you spend your time and your energy on? What are you seeking after? Are you seeking after heavenly treasures or are you seeking after the treasures of this world? Challenging questions. And I'm not saying that like I'm standing here and I've got it all together and you ain't. Let me tell you, I'm in this struggle with you. I only have to turn the television on to see I need a bigger television. I only need to look at the clothes Trevor's wearing to think, yeah, I need better clothes. Like it's out there, it's everywhere, it's telling us that we need more. But more is not, having more is not going to help us when it comes to worrying less. In fact, the more we have, the more we worry. I won't get this quote right, but they asked one of the richest men in the world, when is enough money enough? And he said, well, how did he say it? When, when do you think you'll have enough money? And he says, when I have more. It's never ending. It's, it just keeps going. When's your house big enough? You want the next bigger house? When's your car newer enough? You want the next newer car? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong in all of that, but if that's giving you your worth and if it's giving you value and you think it's giving you significance, it's going to let you down. It won't give you what you really need. See, what you really need is to have your identity in Christ and in Christ alone because what happens around you doesn't matter when your identity is in Christ. It doesn't matter if you get another stone chip in your car because your identity is in Christ. It doesn't matter if you get a speeding ticket because your identity is in Christ. It doesn't matter if that person says a hurtful thing to you because your identity is in Christ. John Cameron at our state conference spoke about the importance of seeking after God. Do you get the set? Am I, are you getting what I'm talking about today? Seeking after God? He spoke about how God is a, a God who is close at hand. Oh, amen, brother. I'm with you. I agree with what you're preaching there. Oh, clap, clap, clap. Shout, shout, shout. You know, you've been there, Emma. I love what the preacher's saying. Oh, I'm getting stuck into this. This is fantastic. Oh, preach it, brother. Preach it. Go for it. But he's also the God that's far away. What? This really played with my theology. How can be God, the God I know, the God of grace? I know I'm up to 31 minutes. Goodness me. I've still got a few to go. Next week. 
the temptation's too great. This really played with my theology. How can he be a God that's close at hand? And how can he also be a God that's far away? Jeremiah 23, 23 says this, Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Come on. Is anybody else with me? If you are, do it now. Come on. Good on you, Tanya. Thank you. You're with me. But he went on to explain this. See, when he's a far away God, it means that we need to go on a journey. We need to seek after him. Growing up, my all-time favorite thing to do was to go to my uncle's farm and help him on the farm. Every school holiday, every opportunity I had, I wanted to be down on my uncle's farm, but it was 300 kilometres. Now, I know in Queensland that's nothing. That's like five minutes' drive. But in Victoria, 300 kilometres is a long way. Like you drive 300 kilometres in Victoria and you're out of the state. You drive 300 kilometres here and you go into your neighbour's place. I mean, honestly... But I had to go on this journey, but I was looking forward to getting to to the end to receive my reward. You getting the picture? See, we need to go on this journey. We need to seek after God. Sometimes we need to say, you're far away, God, but I'm going to take this journey. I'm going to seek after you so that I can find you, so that I can receive my reward. It's in the seeking that we find the answers. It's, you know, it's when we seek after him that we will find the solutions to every problem that we will ever have. If we want to worry less, if we want to stress less, if we want to fear less, then we need to get, sometimes we need to go on a journey. We need to seek after him. And feel Pringle's book, Excellence in Leadership, he talks about discipline. But, but just before that, there was something that really, really got hold of me. He was talking in the book about how we're all in a war. Who knows we're in a war? We're in a war, Pastor Dolph? We're in a war? Yes. There's an enemy out there. And sometimes we as Christians can go, oh, we're under attack. We're under attack. Devil's attacking me. Everything's happening. And it's so bad. Uh, 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 I'm under attack. I'm under attack. I'm under attack. Oh. I can't get up. He challenges that thought. He says, no, we're the invaders. (laughs) Dylan, we're the invaders. 
No, I'm on the victory side. Christ already won the victory. I have the Holy Spirit in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so I'm going to go and I'm on the attack and I'm going to take ground. Where there's doubt, where there's fear. No, we're coming in. We're on the attack. We have Christ. We're going we're gonna to beat this battle where the enemy would come to kill, steal and destroy. We've come for victory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do you get that picture? Can I encourage you with that this morning that we as Christians, we're the invaders. We're not under attack. We're the invaders. We're taking ground that the enemy has stolen Out there, the enemy is telling the whole world that you need more. But we're going to go on the attack and we're going to say, you don't need more things, you need more Jesus. We're on the attack, we're invading, we're taking back the ground that the enemy has stolen. The enemy loves it when we're all depressed and anxious and fearful. But we're going to go into that place and we're going to pray and we're going to believe. We're going to say, enemy, get your hands off in the name of Jesus. And guess what? The enemy will flee. Amen? That's not my point. My point is this. He says we are soldiers. Talks about how we're soldiers. And soldiers are disciplined. Among other things, discipline is doing what you do not want to do. How's that one, Emma? Discipline is... I'm not picking on Emma. I just happened to remember your name and you're sitting there. Because I'm terrible with names. I know, Helen. Soldiers are disciplined. Discipline is doing what you do not want to do. Discipline is also not doing something that you want to do. Discipline is consistently doing the things you should do. Let me tell you, I don't always want to or feel like taking the time to earnestly and diligently seek after God. There have been times, and I know there will be more times, when I have to say no to what I want to do and to say no to how I feel if I want to receive the rewards that God has waiting for me. There are so many things that call for our attention. Leisure, work, socializing, sleeping in, sport. But if we want to receive the the reward God has for us, then we will need to be disciplined about seeking after him. Let me finish with this. Next slide. In his book, Phil Pringle's book, Excellence in Leadership, the world lies at the feet of the disciplined person. Some imagine the race is won by talent, the intellect, the gifted, and the well-connected. However, medals never rest on the chest of the undisciplined. I don't know about you, I want to win the race. I want to get to where God's calling me to go. And I don't want to let anxiety, fear, I don't want to let doubt, I don't want to let pain stop me from finishing the race. I'm going to tell you a little story about my week. 
And it's not to feel sorry for John Week, okay? But I'm just telling you this because I believe strongly in discipline. I believe strongly in seeking after God. See, in my seeking, I found out that God had a plan to prosper me. This week, poor old Helen had to put up with me with a bad back. I was simply getting up out of my seat and my back went. When my back goes, I have to lie down, go to the doctors, get strong painkillers and spend time in bed till it heals. I didn't feel like getting out of bed this morning. I'm in pain. But I'm disciplined. I believe there's something very special happening here this morning. Because I believe you're getting it. We want to get the reward that God has for us. We need to seek after him. We need to go against how we feel. We need to go against what people might say. We need to go against pain, not just physical pain. Maybe it's the pain of offence. Maybe somebody's done or something or said something to you. Let me say this to you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, and plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Church, if you want to worry less, seek God more. If I could have that very last slide, and we're finishing with this. Last slide? Didn't come up there. Okay. I stole this. Is that okay? I stole this from State Conference, and I've forgotten the name of the guy. It was Mark, the guy that's the pastor at uh, Alice Springs. Mark somebody. Anyway, God is good for your brain. This is what he had up. Twelve minutes per day of worshipping God, as revealed in Christ Jesus, can optimize brain function. I need to optimize... optimize my brain function. Yes, I need to. Increases activity in the language process area of the brain. (laughs) How good is that? I know I need help in that area. Activates brain reward pathways to rival that of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. How good is that, church? I can't believe you're all cheering. We've got something better than sex, drugs, and rock and roll happening here this morning. I'm not saying that's good. (laughs) What I am saying is this. 
It activates the reward pathway to rival that of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It increases focus and attention, increases planning skills, increases the ability to project into the future, increases the ability to construct complex arguments. I need that, Helen, when I'm talking to you sometimes about particular things because Helen's very good with complex arguments and I'm not. I'm just joking. And this is a really good bit. Releases levels of serotonin, which is the happy, what's that word? Neurotransmitter and endorphins. Dr. Timothy Jennings, clinical researcher, wrote that. Who'd like to, uh, who'd like to uh, be happy this morning? Who'd like to rise their level of serotonin? Can I have a show of hands? Who would like to rise their level of serotonin, which is the happiest, happy drug, the happy juice, whatever you want to call it? Let's do that this morning as we worship our God, hey? Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.